Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to this session of Under My Roof. Today's talk will be today's talk will be led by Iris Timinesis on the Bible and the normal Christians. Today there will be a Q&A session. You are free to ask. They will be prioritize your questions and the speaker will answer your questions. If you are facing any technical difficulties, you can use the chat function so we can help you. Today's schedule will be, the worship team will be led by the Divine Music Team from Ramsky, then followed by the talk by Iris the Ministers, and then followed by the Q&A section, followed by the final prayer. If your friends have been not joined or registered on this Zoom, you can scan this QR scan code on the screen and share it to them. The divine music ministry and the follow now the divine music ministry team will be leading the worship. before the presence of the Lord this morning. We meditate on the scripture from Matthew 16:3, And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. We need to ask for his beautiful grace to cover us because we know as we rise in the morning, whatever struggles of this day we face today, we know it might be stormy, for the sky is red. So we know something based on the weather. If it's raining, you'll be wearing a coat. If it's sunny, you'll be wearing a hat. You prepare yourself for that day by just seeing how the weather is like. But there is one thing that we cannot do. We cannot interpret the appearance of the sky nor can we interpret the signs of the times, even though technology try to interpret how the weather is going to be like. But we know anything that is beyond human, human ways, only our Father can do that. The same thing as His grace, the same thing as the 
joy that can, we can find from within. The same way as we can receive the blessing, we need to ask Abba Father. Each day in the morning when we rise, let us ask for his grace. Let us seek for his grace. And that is something that we can do something. And in this morning, by the power of our worship, by the power of our praise this morning, we're going to interpret our feelings to our Father. We're going to explore our feelings to our Father and let our Father know that I am here to worship you. I am here to open myself before you, Abba Father. I am here to know you more and more, Abba Father. I am here to tell you how I am feeling outside, how stormy my day is, Abba Father. I'm going to tell you all about it because we know only you can change the outcome of my life. So let us give everything that we have to him through this worship. Let us seek for his grace. Let us cover ourselves with him because we know no matter what we have done, his, our sins are cleansed by the sacrifice Abba Father took on the cross. We cannot cleanse our own sin, but Abba Father can. We cannot change ourselves, but Abba Father can change us. This is why we're seeking for his grace. This is why we need him in our life. And by the power of our worship this morning, by the power of our praise this morning, there are things we are going to move. We are going to change everything that we can. We are going to change anything that is beyond our anything that is within our control and we're going to seek for that for God to change things that is not in our control as we sing this again let us ask for his glorious grace and his wonderful grace to cover us this morning as he stand on the cross covering us with his love with his mercy let us sing again together let us all join in this time of worship as we serenade our other father as we kiss him with our worship this morning as we pour out our love to him as he pour out his grace back to his people. He is so wonderful. He is love. No matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter how lost we've been, he will come back to us. That is our father.
Abba Father in this, let us declare, when we sing, no matter what I've done, it means that when you went on the cross, it doesn't matter how far you feel lost. Because most of us, we feel like we've gone far away from God. We've been so lost that there is no return. But Jesus is telling you and me today that no matter what you have done, no matter how far you have gone, my arms will still open wide on the cross just for you. You are the one out of the night. I will leave the 99 for you because no matter what you've done, I'll pick you up. In this world, we feel like we need someone to lift us up. We need something to lift us up. But God, this morning, Jesus is telling us, you need me. No matter what you've done, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter how stormy you are facing your day today, God is telling you that he'll pick you up. He'll pick you up with his victorious right hand. He'll pick you up even in the midst of the storm. He'll pick you up no matter how far you've gone, even though you feel like you have been filled with dirt. Because it says in the beginning, when God made human, he took mud and breathed his life into it. And there was breath in the lungs. So God is telling us, bring your dirt bring your bad self bring that part of you that you think that you don't need that part of you that you think that you never change yourself that dirtiness that is covering you because you took mud and made life out of it you are not lost you are not lost because Abba Father is telling you I can put life back in your bones I can make you breathe once again and he can make us breathe his flesh he can make us breathe his life he can make us breathe him because by ourselves we can do nothing as we can see in this pandemic we have no control of our own breath but when he put his life in us when he put himself in us we can just we can justify ourselves we can call ourselves that we are covered by our father we can call ourselves the children of God because we have declared who he is in our lives we have taken him as our savior we have taken him as our upper father so let us declare today that no matter where I've been no matter what I've done he will pick me up you are not lost you are not forgotten but you are not for, you're forgiven on the cross you're forgiven on the cross so no matter what sin you've done no matter what sexual sin you've done no matter what you've done Jesus loves you anyway no matter how lost you are Jesus loves you he especially you he is telling you come back again I will pick you up again I'll put you together once again you are my child I need you and I need your dirtiness so I can make you full so that I can make you whole again on the cross when I say it's matter because father is telling you your past is finished because you have me i have picked you up as one of my own jesus we thank you no matter
into our day. Remember the same verse we gave you earlier on, Matthew 16, 3. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of times. Abba Father, help us to change the things that we, we have control over and help us to submit ourselves to the things that only you can change. Father, teach us to stand in prayer as we face each day, as we face the struggle of each day, Abba Father. Help us to discern what is right with you and what is your plans for us in our lives. Thank you, Divine Music Team, for that beautiful worship. And I will hand over the stage to Iris uh, to uh, to take on a, to take us on this uh, talk. Hi, guys. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. And for those of you who are about to go to sleep, good night. Well, don't go to sleep just yet. Just hold on for another twenty minutes. I'm sure it'll be worth your while. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Iris and I live with Sandra in Hamburg in Germany. And I've already given one or two talks, I think it's two talks on Under My Roof. One of them is called Science and Religion and the other one is called Music and Religion. If you've not heard those talks, just search for them on YouTube. You'll find them, I'm sure you'll find them interesting as well. And hey, don't forget to hit that subscribe button, subscribe to the Divine Youth channel. You won't regret it. Um, well, interesting questions I've seen on the chat. And the first question was, what is an abnormal Christian? So let me begin by setting that uh, right. Um, the question is, I'm not going to talk about normal Christians and abnormal Christians. But rather, what I'm going to talk about is about being a Christian and about apparently being Christian. Um, to get a little bit more clarity about what I mean, let's talk about something that I remember. It's it's a, it's actually a joke. It's a joke about a Mex American who was crossing the border to Mexico. You've heard about Trump, right? And you all of you have heard about the fact that Trump wanted to build a wall so that the Mexicans cannot enter. Well, I don't know whether he's managed to build it or not, but at the moment, I don't think he's in any condition to build anything. Uh, that's a side. Let's talk about the, the border. On the Mexican border, once there was a man crossing over from F, from America into Mexico. So at the border, of course, you've got customs. And the officer looked at this man. This man was on a cycle. And on a cycle, there were bags of sand behind. So the customs officer asked the man, uh, excuse me, what is in that bag? So the man said, oh, that is just a bag of sand. Uh, I'm sorry, I thought I said he's an American, right? So the American said, oh, no, they're just bags of sand. So the American, the, the customs officer said, hey, I don't believe you. Tell me the truth. So the American, American said, oh, just bags of sand. So I told you, right? So they didn't believe him. So what happened? The customs officer put this man for the night into a detention cell and they examined the cycle, opened the seat, looked inside, uh, they sifted the bags and the sand for analysis, they found nothing, so they let the man go. The next day, the man again came. So again, the guy, he was asked what is there, the fellow said sand, and so this happened after one full year. So the customs officer knew there's something wrong, but couldn't do anything about it, they never found anything. So, after about two years, this customs officer found himself in Mexico at a bar, and by this time, this man had come, had stopped coming every day. So. He asked him, brother, I'll ask you one question. It's been bothering me the whole time. I have not been able to sleep. My relationship with my wife has gone uh, um, has gone bad because I kept on thinking I could not get what you're smuggling, but I knew you were smuggling something. And I, uh, yes, I, can you please tell me, I've stopped my work as a guard. 
at the customs. Now, can you please tell me what is it that you were smuggling? So this fellow looked at him in the eye and said, what I was smuggling was cycles. So the full thing that he was actually not smuggling something inside the bag or inside the cycle uh, was lost. He was actually taking one cycle after the other every day into Mexico. And at the end of two years, he had quite a fortune. The thing is, he was apparently not smuggling something, but he was. Now, the question that I put to you, and that is going to be the subject of this talk. Are you a Christian? Or are you only a Christian that is an apparent Christian? Or rather, a better title would have been, How Christian are you really? So, if I ask you, what are the things that you do that make you think, okay, I am a Christian? Just let us take uh, 20 seconds to pause and think about the things that you do because you're a Christian, to show that you're Christian, or because you believe you're a Christian. What are the things? Just let it go through your minds. Just call to the mind quickly. Remember, we're going to keep this talk simple, not like the other two talks. We're just rushed through here, we're going to take our time. So, yes, you go to church. That's a good thing. What else do you do? Right? You have to be a good person. You try your best to become a good person. What else? Come on. Well, the sad part is for most of us, that's all. We just go to church, we try to be a good uh, good person, like we'll be our parents, and that's it. But friends, that's not really what it's all about. You've got good people all over the world. People are not believers. What makes you different from them? Or what makes them different from you? Okay, they might not go to church, but they, let's say, they give, they give some money to the poor. They spend their time helping, uh, time helping other people. What makes you so special? What is it that is there about you that you sh that should be different? What about your prayer? This is a chart I pulled off the internet. And it's about frequency of prayer among Christians. And this is not just among Catholics. This is just done throughout all, all the Christian world. And 68% of the people say they prayed at least daily. And at least means probably more times. 17% say weekly. 5% say monthly. Can you believe that you pray once a month? 9% say seldom. <laughs> and there's this 1% that says, I don't know. Well, I don't understand uh, how you can say I don't know. But maybe that is the, the number of people probably in America who say, uh, you know, I'm not telling you anything unless I talk to my lawyer first. That's the only reason I think that you can get 1%. Yes, but let us go to the question of what is prayer. As a Christian, you need to get into prayer. And why is that? Number one, we'll start by looking up what, what is prayer. Yeah. Close your eyes for five seconds and think about what is prayer for you. According to the teaching of the Catholic Catechism, the Catechism of the Catholic Church in 2259, it's written, prayer is the raising of one's heart and mind to God, or the requesting of good things from God. Um, let's get into a more practical description of uh, prayer. Prayer is nothing else but communication. Just talking. Just like you have a friend, a best friend. Think about, about your best friend. You just don't go to your best friend's house and sit and look at the best friend. Or just look at the things in the best friend's house. No. You talk to the best friend. You ask questions. You get a reply. And in turn, you also answer the friend's questions. It's communication. And from this communication comes relationship. 
But prayer is not just a relationship. If you take a look at the lives of saints among the mystics of the church, you can see that after going through these points, communication, you talk to God, he talks back to you after forming a relationship. There is another stage that goes much deeper. That is the communion with God. And no, I'm not, not talking about the Holy Eucharist. I'm talking about you and God being one. St. Teresa of Avila described this. In the last stage, in the stage of communion, nothing else matters. You're not aware of the room. You're not aware of, uh, of the things around you. You're not aware of the time. You're not aware of whether it's hot or cold. You're not even aware of yourself. The only thing that is there is God. And that is also called the hug of God, the embrace of God. And that is actually the final part of prayer or the final um, the des destination of where we want to go through from the beginning of raising up of one's heart, talking, relationship, you want to be one with the Father. And Jesus says, eternal life is to know God. And this know, the word that, is, uh, uh, that he uses, means the knowing like a husband knows his wife, intimate. So, my question to you is, as a Christian, how deep is a prayer? Just saying a couple of things in the morning, saying a couple of things in the evening is not prayer. This, from the looks of it, seems to be a person who is submitted to God. What does the Bible say about it? St. Paul writes in his letter to the Thessalonians, he says, pray without ceasing. Hmm. Question is, is it possible to do something like that? Pray without ceasing? Well, would God ask you to do something that you cannot do? So possibly it could, you could do this. Let us take off at another place in the Bible. Let's take a look at Ephesians 5.19. This is a little bit more practical. As you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all time. So this is more practical. As you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, the communion is not just going to a room or going to a church and praying to God. You can have communion with God at all times. Um, write down this name, Brother Lawrence. Check on Google. Brother Lawrence was a monk who lived, I think, in France. And he's written a small booklet, or a booklet was written from what he has thought. And the booklet is called Practicing the Presence of God. And in that booklet, he has shown exercises or things that you do in order to experience God's presence at every moment of the day. He used to be able to be, to commune with God when he was cutting potatoes. He used to be a cook, I think, in, in the monastery. Take a search for the book, Brother Lawrence. And this is exactly what is happening. Singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts. If you are washing your onions, if you are cutting vegetables, all you need to do is in your heart sing. Just think of this. Close your eyes and sing with me. How great is our God. Sing with me. And I can sing it this way. How great are you, God. And all we see how great. How great are you, God? And then immediately you feel that you are with God, you're in communion with God. It's not difficult, it's very easy. Then you've got this attitude. Prayer is actually also an attitude. It is a state of mind. And if you are in this attitude of knowing, hey, at every point of time I am in communion with my God, then you're actually praying without ceasing. Okay, let's move on quickly to the next point. Church. Think of it. What is church? Five seconds. 
What does Paul write about meeting others? Paul writes, no, sorry, the writer of Hebrews writes, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us just neglect all the day approaching, but see the beginning of this part, not neglecting to meet together. So God says, do not neglect to meet together. The word ecclesia in Greek, church is translated from the word, is, the meaning of the word is called out of, assembly of those called out of. That means the assembly of those who are called out of the word. The word of God says, be holy for I am holy. What does that mean? Holy in the context of the Bible has got two meanings. Number one, to be pure. But the second meaning is to be set apart, set apart for God. And the church, the ecclesia, is an assembly of people who are called out of the world to be set apart from God. Question to you, are you set apart from God? for God? Are you removed from the world? Are you holy? Then the question, what is the church? Let us see what Peter writes. Like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Let us again neglect the latter part, but look at the former. Like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house. What is he talking about? He is actually talking about the church, about the assembly of believers, because church is not a building. Church is not the priest. Church is not the bishop or the pope. My dear brothers and sisters, my dear friends, church is you. You are the body of Christ. And if you consider yourself a Christian because you go to church, that's just 1% of being a Christian. Being a Christian means to be the church. If you do not pray for others, if you, um, in Mark 16, 17, 18, Jesus describes a Christian. These are the signs that will follow believers. And among of those things, he says, and they shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall be healed. The question is not whether you lay your hands on the sick and shall be healed. If you are a Christian, you're going to lay your hands on the sick. Whether they're going to be healed or not, that depends on God. But mark of a Christian is to lay your hands. Think about it. Do you pray for others? Do you intercede for others? That's what you should be doing as a normal Christian. How often should you go? Should you go to church? Now, if you think you're a normal Christian, what are the things you should do? Close your eyes, five seconds. What would you do for Jesus? Yeah? Would I be a prayer leader? Would I recognize, uh, organize retreats? Would I be the leader of a choir? Would I be a leader in uh, forming a team to evangelize people? To evangelize the world, as Jesus said? Very good. Good thing. But see what Peter writes, St. Peter writes before that. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another. Your first step is to serve, not to become leaders. If you humble yourself, God will exalt you. He will call you to the work that he's called you to do. But start at the bottom. And God loves that. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Then, if you want to be the church, you have to be like Jesus. And one of the things that Jesus said is, love one another as I have loved you. Well said. That's a beautiful thing to say. Love one another as I have loved you. What does it mean practically? We will just look at three aspects of Jesus' love for us. What was his love like? Jesus' love was all accepting. At the woman at the you have read the parable of the woman of the well. No, not the woman at the well. The woman was brought to him to be stoned. The Pharisees had brought a woman, and they said, This woman has sinned, and as according to the law of Moses, we have a right to stone her. They would not look at the woman in that sense, they would not even have accepted her. And they brought her to Jesus. And they wanted to stone her. They would have stoned her. 
And what did Jesus do? He pointed out to the Pharisees their own hypocrisy. I can imagine them standing there. She was a woman caught in adultery, the lowest of the lows. I mean, in that time, of, uh, the sin of adultery was considered very, very bad. So nobody would want to do anything. Nobody in his right mind would want to do anything with her. But what did Jesus do? He stood on her side. He accepted her. And that acceptance led to her being converted. Love converts. Are you accepting of the people? Do you accept the people who come to you? Or do you reject them? Jesus' love was self-sacrificing. I think in the book of Matthew, there's this story about when John the Baptist was killed. And John the Baptist was a cousin of Jesus. And when Jesus heard the news that John the Baptist was beheaded, the Bible, the word of God says, then he went to a lonely place to be by himself. I believe it must have hurt Jesus that his cousin was beheaded. He was the first person to proclaim the news, the good news of the kingdom coming. John the Baptist, and he was beheaded. And Jesus must have felt that. And he went to a lonely place. But what happened? The crowd saw where he went. And they all followed him. And when Jesus saw the crowds, in spite of him wanting to be alone, he catered to them. That is called self-sacrificing love. He forgot his own needs. He had compassion. The word of God says he had compassion with them. Self-sacrificing. Is your love sacrificing? Self-sacrificing? Do you look at others more than your own need? And the third thing, his love was all forgiving. I don't need to talk about what his last words, one of the few one of the last sentences on the cross were as he was standing, as he was being crucified, as he was hanging, not even standing. His words were, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Is your love an all-forgiving love? Are you able to forgive? This is the mark of a normal Christian. The love of an apparent Christian is not all-accepting, neither is it self-sacrificing, nor is it all-forgiving. Talking about forgiveness. Now, this is a picture of me and my wife. Yeah? <laughs> I have uh, just put silhouettes because of the data protection laws. But question is, if you don't forgive somebody, there is a very big um, block to your healing. There is a very big block to your prayer to God, to him answering your prayer. Um, there is something that is a soul tie that forms between you and the person that you have not forgiven. It binds you to that person. <clears throat> and because of this bond, the Lord cannot bless you. That's why it is so important for us to forgive one another with the love that Jesus has. Um, I will skip this part. We'll go directly to another part that is very important as the word of, uh, in the word of, uh, as a Christian is the word of God. How much do you read of the word? Now, there are two things, now we talk about Catholicism, that we as Christians need. We need the word of God and we need the teachings, the doctrine of the church. And for us, we have the word of God, the Bible, and the doctrine of the church is the catechism of the Catholic Church. I think you cannot see me, um, can see the presentation, but these two books are very important. But there is a very big distinction with the Word of God. The Word of God says in Hebrews 4.12, The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intention of the heart. We'll ignore the latter part again if we look at the beginning. Indeed, the Word of God is living and active. There is something about a word of God that has got the power to change. So if you want to change yourself, if you, want, if you want a heart to be renewed, then you have to read the word of God because it can change your heart. And again in Isaiah 55, 11, the word of God says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. 
It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Again, the word of God says that it will accomplish its purpose. You want to change yourself? If you've got a hard heart, if you've got habits that are not um, holy, use the word of God. It has the power to change you. And the last thing that we will talk uh, that I'm going to say before we move on to the questions is what is given in James 1.27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God. And he says, is to keep oneself unstained by the world. And this is very important. To keep ourselves unstained by the world. So saying that, I would say thank you for your attention. And if there are any questions, please ask them now. And uh, yeah, not difficult questions, but easy questions, Mario. Thank you. Thank you, Iris, for that uh, wonderful talk. Um, okay, cool. So I'm going to get into the questions. Uh, the first one is about the Bible itself. Uh, why do Protestant Bibles not have books like Sirach or Tobit, etc.? Okay, that's a very good question. That's a very interesting question. Um, the short answer is this. The Bible or the, the New Testament or the whole Bible was compiled in the 4th century, I think around 300, the year three, uh, 300, 350 or whatever, in, in that century, the, um, the Catholic Church or the priests, uh, the leaders of the Catholic Church, they came together and they said, okay, the word of God, we will pray and see what books belong in the Bible. And at that point of time, they compiled the Bible as we have it in the Catholic Church. Now, around year 1500 when the protestants started the reformation there was a very big attack there was an attack on the priesthood there was an attack on the belief uh, the reverence on mother mary and what not many of you know is there was an attack on the word of god in fact um, martin luther wanted to remove several books from the bible that did not um, apply to his uh, that did not that he did not agree with. He, he wanted to remove James, he wanted to remove Revelations, he wanted to remove many other books. Thank God that did not happen. But during that time, the Protestants said, okay, we don't want this book, this book, this book, this book. And uh, from the year 1500, um, the books are missing from the Protestant Bible. I mean, this is a very short answer, but that's the reason uh, that they removed the uh, books from the Bible around 1500. In fact, the first Protestant Bibles did have these books that are missing. But it was later uh, that uh, they went missing completely. Thank you, Iris. Um, I'm going to go now to a few questions that people have asked in the past that are very relevant to today's talk. Yeah. Uh, so the first one, it's a combination of two questions. Um, like I'm combining two questions together. So mm -hmm. how can I convince my non-Christian friends about the Bible, Christ and Yahweh? Uh, this is from Rochelle. And the other question which can be combined with this is, do I talk about Jesus on stage in school, even though the school doesn't allow it, just like the saints did when they weren't allowed to proclaim Jesus' gospel? Question from a very radical person. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, thanks. That's a, that's a very relevant question for today. Um, to the first question, Jesus asks us to evangelize. And evangelize doesn't mean to force somebody to convert. That means you cannot forcefully go and speak about Jesus. I mean, that's not our role. But if others come to you and ask you questions, then the word of God says, be prepared to make an, um, what's the word? To give an answer to those who ask you about your faith. But how do we get the others to ask? you questions that they have to see something different there has to be a difference between a normal christian and an apparent christian an apparent christian nobody can make out he's a christian uh, there's a priest friend of mine he was a postman and when he came to god he said you know what i don't believe in god but let me see what christians are like and he started observing christians and you know what 
he found through observing them that that Christians were different. And the only fact that he said, wow, this is something very interesting, changed him. He's a priest today. But how did he come to that point? By observing. So when people see that there's something different about you, they see that you are you're full of patience, that you're full of gentleness, you're full of faith, that you're smiling, there is a joy with you. The joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength. This is what the Bible says in Nehemiah. When they see that and know that they're different, they will come and ask you. And when they ask you, then you've got the permission to talk to them about Jesus. So my, my, what I would say at this point of time, unless you're called by God to woo, go out, show them by a conduct that you are a Christian. Did I answer both questions? Um, yes, yes. Okay, I, would say. I think just, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the second part of the question probably is, is like, uh, the, this, this person's asking, do I talk about Jesus on stage in school, even though the school doesn't allow it? just like the saints did when they weren't allowed to proclaim Jesus. Okay, I'll give another example from a musician. I saw this on YouTube. He's a person from India who plays guitar and he went to the United Nations, I think, and gave a speech about Jesus. But how did he do it? He didn't speak about Jesus, but all he did was wear a cap where Jesus was written. And then when he was asked about it, he gave a speech and he was on the stage. I think it was the United Nations, some speech or UNESCO, something like that. So. If there's something that draws attention to being a Christian and you are asked the question and you are in the position, go for it. Even if it's on stage. I mean, if you're asked, then you can give an answer. Thank you, Iris. Um, okay, the next question is, I find it hard sometimes to make time for God, especially for Bible studies. How can I do this and still make time for my own studies? Okay. That's a good question. Number one, pray to the Holy Spirit for time management. Number two, Mario, if you can just pull up Matthew 6, 19. Just a second. Uh, there's this place where Jesus talks about a treasure. And you will give priority to the things that are important to you. So in order to make those things important, you have to invest some time. Yeah. Um, the idea behind it is if you make it important in your life, then you will automatically put time into invest time into it, not the other way around. The other way around is okay, I will make time for it so it becomes important. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, um, let's wait for my, uh, yeah, do not store up for self treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. Uh, can we continue? That means if you want to make Jesus, if you want to uh, put more time into God. So, but store up for treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you already will um, make up your mind and invest things, I mean, if you sell things and give it to the poor, you, don't, you no longer have the things. But what happens? Jesus says you've got treasure in heaven. And that treasure will not fade away. So if you start building up a treasure little by little, little by little, your heart will know where your treasure is. And you will automatically invest time in prayer. You will automatically invest time in building up a treasure. However, if you think, uh, if you can, uh, take more time in studies, you will, in your subconscious, uh, subconscious mind, uh, think that this is my treasure. So do little things to make the kingdom of God a treasure and you automatically will spend more time in prayer. Thank you, Iris. Uh, moving on to the next question. If your friends are being sinful and do not believe in God, should we still be friends with these people? Wow, that's that's a that's a good question again, especially for these times. The word of God says bad company ruins good morals. Um, I don't know where that is. I think uh, one of the letters of St. Paul, maybe Mario can, <laughs> Mario can search for it while, while I talk. The thing is, if you are weak in your faith, you should not mingle with people who are strong in the unbelief. Um, because even as Jesus put it, a little bit of uh, yeast levels the, leavens the whole dough. That means a little bit of 
wrong teaching, a little bit of unbelief will actually spoil you. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. It, it doesn't even it doesn't say bad company spoils, but it ruins good morals. So I would say, if your God is important to you, if that what Jesus did, He died for you. Remember, Jesus died for you on the cross so that you have eternal life, so that you have got the strength and power to stand. Do not willingly give up this uh, death of Jesus to be with your friends, unless, of course, you are stronger than your friends. That's what I would say. Okay, I think we probably have time for another one or two more questions. Yeah, shoot, okay. shoot. <laughs> yeah. So why don't we ask Bible characters to intercede for us? We ask saints to pray for us, but we don't ask Moses or Gideon, etc. to pray for us. Okay. Um, technically, the Bible characters, the Catholic Church considers them saints. For example, Moses and Elijah appeared to Jesus when he was transfigured. So they talked with him. So they have... The word of God shows that they have um, that they are alive and they take part in what is happening in the earth on the earth. So my answer, but uh, I've never not seen a teaching on the from the Catholic Church about this. But my answer would be yes, you could. I mean, I pray, Lord, give me the the strength of Moses, or give me the strength of Elijah. Give me the intuition of Elijah. Give me the anointing of Elijah. So I think it, should, it, would, it would be okay. You can pray. Thank you, Iris. Then, um, yeah, this is a good one. The Bible passages are being interpreted through various perspectives. What is the right way of interpreting the Bible passages? Well, that's a good question. Number one, as I said, what is very important, what is the ability to change your life is the Word of God. But there comes a problem. You can interpret lots of things different ways. The first thing that you need to do is to look at what your church says about it. Because the church interprets the word of God. So the right way of interpreting is number one, looking at what the church fathers, what your church says about what the word of God says. And then of course, um, there's also personal interpretation. If you are able to develop your hearing so that you can accurately hear the word of God and then discern between what comes from the Holy Spirit and what does not come from the Holy Spirit, what does not come from God, um, that would be the second thing. But the first thing I would say is learn what your church, what the Catholic Church teaches you. Thank you, Edison. This is the final question. Where is it written in the Bible that Mother Mary was taken bodily into heaven? And if she was taken into heaven, did she not face death? Okay, um, this is usually a question that comes from our Protestants, brothers and sisters, because they consider that the Bible is the only source of information, and whatever is not in the Bible should not be believed. But then again, that is something that comes from the attack on the church and the attack on the on the Word of God. Um, the the church, the Catholic Church, has got two areas from which she derives her teaching. The magisterium of the church has two areas. Number one is the oral tradition. That is the word of God, the things that were passed down orally from the times of the apostles, plus the word of God. Because when they did uh, compile the Bible, they took the books, they took the letters that accurately represented the oral teachings and put them in the Bible. So the oral teaching is as... Um, let us say we would consider them as par with the word of God. Because uh, as you see uh, among our brothers and sisters, that there's so many different interpretations and so many different views on what uh, a Christian should be. Now that being said, the, the, in the Bible, it is not given that Mother Mary has ascended into heaven. The teaching of the church is that at the end of her life, she was assumed. The, the church doesn't teach whether she died and when or whether she uh, was assumed into heaven while she was living. But there are two or three examples in the Bible. Jesus was assumed into heaven. Enoch, was it Enoch and Enosh? One of the two, they were assumed into, uh, they were taken into heaven. One of the prophets I talked about, Elijah, he was taken into heaven. So somebody being taken into heaven is not something that is new in the Bible. That is not 
uh, not a, 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 a thing that is prohibited or that what the Bible says over oh, something like that cannot happen. So answer is it is not in the Bible, but it is within the teaching of the church. And it is not uh, in opposition to the things that uh, are recorded in the Bible. Thank you, Iris. With that, we come to a close uh, for today's session. So what I'll do is um, I'll go ahead and uh, end us all in a small prayer then. Cool. In the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Abba Father, we love you and we thank you so much for bringing us together through this online platform of Under My Roof. Abba Father, in the past pandemics, like the most recent one that comes to memory, which was in the 1918s, was the Spanish flu, and people did not have technology that enabled them to come together and still hear your word. In this rich age of technology that causes us, that gives us free access to knowledge and the wisdom of the church, we ask that you instill in us a stronger sense and desire to be able to reach out and tap into this, Lord. We are blessed to be in this generation, in this in this time where we can still convene as though we were there in the same room and we, were, and we come from different parts of the world. I thank you, Abba Father, for the gift of technology and I ask you to bless the gift of technology across the world and purify it so that it may be used more for your greater glory. I thank you for today's talk by Iris and I pray that, that your words have touched the hearts of people as they realize more and more on knowing what it means to be a true Christian, a complete Christian, and not just a normal Christian. We ask that you give us the grace of the Holy Spirit as we move forward to being better followers of your word. This we ask of you, the Christ, our Lord. Amen. Father and Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, thank you everyone for uh, coming for this session. And we wish you a wonderful weekend ahead and see you again next week. We have an, an amazing talk uh, by Brother Jude. That's going to be uh, some of your questions that you'll have asked uh, would be answered there. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a continuation from uh, the previous talk on uh, pornography that Brother Jude gave. And I definitely uh, think it's going to be a beautiful talk for all of you to attend. So thank you all for attending. Thank you, Iris, for the wonderful talk. And see you all. Have a great day. Bye.